You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. What's going on, everybody? We're back again. The Sooners Illustrated Podcast, Episode 9 on this Tuesday, August 15th. 2023 josh calloway tom green james jackson we'll catch up with colin kennedy on thursday pack show lots going on fall camp continues to roll about we're continuing our position breakdown series and there's been some uh, pretty big recruiting news in the last few days we'll talk about that as well the good and the bad we'll get into all of it right here on the sooners illustrated podcast gentlemen how are things going it was much cooler at practice yesterday i actually had to deal with some rain early but Weather's uh, it's been it's been better. It's been nice. Yeah, the, the, those clouds parted like as soon as we walked on the field. Yeah, it rough. was great. Um, didn't have to worry about too much out there, but it's it's nice to get a little break from that hundred degree hundred degree heat. Yeah, it was a lot better. I mean, it rained a little bit, so I had to protect the camera. But other than that, everything is good. Everything is good, and not to derail the show because I know Josh has plans for everything going on. But hey, Nate Roberts just decommitted from Notre Dame. It's an in-state kid out from Washington. And the Sooners have a very good yeah. shot here of getting him to come on board with what Kevin Spear has been doing lately. The, the quarterback in the 2025 class, just, com, you know, getting guys in, trying to recruit for them. Hey, look out for that as we move forward. Yeah, no, crazy. It's got to look alive. Things are happening constantly. <laughs> and Oklahoma continues to recruit really well in the state. We're going to get to that, you know, more later with Jaden Nickens, obviously. But it's mm-hmm. another one to keep an eye on. Like I said, that popped that he announced that decommitment literally as we're sitting here getting ready to record. So something to uh, monitor and certainly something that I'm going to pick Collins brain on, on the Thursday show, but mm-hmm. yeah, no, I mean, good stuff yesterday. I practice another open practice. I think that maybe the last time we get to see the team in an open practice setting, we'll see obviously what happens, but as the season gets closer, that stuff gets more and more buttoned up. Um, so we'll see what happens next week, but Good stuff yesterday. I did have a mishap. Uh, I forgot to switch the mic over on the camera, so we had no sound on our practice video yesterday. Apologies again for that. Uh, still, people watched it, got a good viewership number, but there was some people like, where is the sound on this? And uh, I just dug tail to my legs, ashamed. Ashamed that it's such a rookie mistake, so it won't happen again. But good stuff overall. Rain parted. Practice was good. And we got to talk to Venables and a few players afterward, uh, just a few. Um it was Danny Stutzman was there, Jackson Arnold was there, and Trace Ford was there. You can hear from all three guys on the YouTube channel um, some of what they had to say. So good day yesterday and more to come later. We're getting Ted Roof and more players this afternoon. So busy times, like we said before. Uh, this is we're getting we're ramping up before you know it. Week one is we're less than three weeks from that first game, which is pretty crazy. We're getting real, real, real close. So let's go and dive right into fall camp. So, like I said, we were at practice yesterday. Then we got Venables, players afterward. Let's start with the practice. Anything that noted out? I mean, obviously, this is the third time we're seeing the, the team now in a practice setting. Obviously, the first, you know, I don't know, 15 minutes are the exact same every time they do their stretch routine and their, their warm-up, stuff like that. Things only vary a little bit in what we get to see. It's not like we get to see them running around and actually doing the scrimmage like on Saturday. So for me, the practice or what we've heard about the scrimmage, anything that's jumped out to you about performance on the field in these last few days, uh, Tom, you can start us off. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to start with the, the running back room. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think, you know, there's been a lot of talk this offseason that everybody kind of expects it to be Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuk as that one-two. But one thing that's really stood out to me the three times that we've been out there is that Marcus Major has consistently been the first guy leading those drills. Looks really um, good, too. Yeah, yeah, he looks good. I know they have a plan to try to keep him healthy, keep him on the field. Um, so I, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see just how things progress with him because, you know, we heard it that, that first day at Media Day, Jeff Levy is really high on Marcus Major. And if he can stay healthy, I think he can have a really interesting impact on that room. 
Um, I would still probably lean toward Javante being the featured back when push comes to shove, but they really like what Marcus can do when he's healthy and he's looked good so far through these first, you know, nine practices. And another note with that running back room too, Dalen Smothers missed a couple practices last week. He is back. He was at practice yesterday. We had heard he was back. Got to actually see it with our own eyeballs, obviously, yesterday out there doing the things in the full uniform. Good to hear from Oklahoma fan. There was some scary days for a couple of days there when he missed some practices. He was told he was away from the team, some off-the-field stuff. Um, but as Brett Venable said yesterday, Tom, you wrote about it, that, or you put it on the VIP board, that he's back in their good graces, and they're trying to get everything back to normal there. So very good to see because that's a very talented youngster uh, mm-hmm. in that group. So he's back in action. James, yeah. what about you? We talked about Gavin Salchuk as well, yeah, because Tom Tom mentioned that in his article as well. Like you could talk about a little bit about that, you know, Gavin Salchuk's yeah. back on the sideline and stuff like that. Yeah, I was gonna say during the individual drills uh, yesterday, Gavin Salchuk was off to the side, kind of mm-hmm. jogging with one of the trainers. Seems he has a little tweak. I asked Brent Venables about it after practice. He said, you know, they're just being cautious with him, trying to get him game ready. And you know, we we'd heard that during the scrimmage on Saturday, they kind of took the same approach to both Sawchuck and Javante Barnes, mm-hmm. kind of you know, load management with those guys, keeping them fresh, and you know, just getting them ready for the season. Because again, those are two guys that they feel really good about. So I don't think it's anything too concerning with Sawchuck. He didn't look a hundred percent, but he also wasn't in you know a blue non-contact vest or anything. So I think it's just you know they're they're kind of easing him in right now and you know ramping him up to full speed for the season yeah definitely i spent a lot of time uh with the guys that are you know in the trenches so to speak so the defensive line offensive line mm-hmm. things like that. i saw the defensive tackles again and man i you you look at the size of those defensive tackles man they're, there's you it's noticeable it's noticeable they're a lot bigger than they they've been and then we we looked at the quarterbacks as well while, while i was walking back over i know josh got a bunch of highlights of of dylan gabriel and jackson arnold throwing deep passes but I caught Jackson Arnold's pass to Nick Anderson, and man, that kid is really, really good. I mean, it, it goes without saying. I guess you already pretty know that, but he has a tightest spiral I think I've seen in a long, long time. That, he, he hasn't. I haven't seen a pass that he hasn't had a, a great spiral on, and he knows how to throw it, man. That's. I mean, that's that's the first part of it. He knows how to do it. Yeah, uh, he looked really good. Yeah, I was impressed watching the quarterbacks with just like how smooth and fluid Jackson looks rolling out to his right and his left. Um, obviously he's going to look a little bit better rolling to his right than Dylan Gabriel, who's a left, a lefty, but you know, I, I was impressed. I mean, I know it's against air. I know it's just a drill, mm-hmm. but you know, the fluidity with which he moves and still can throw a strike, even if it's, you know, a 10, 15 yard out, um, it's really impressive for a freshman. Mm-hmm. I spoke with Jackson yesterday for my, for the first time for me and just learning what was going on with him and things like that. He's already said he's getting, he's getting like 13 pounds uh, under coach Schmitty. He came in at 203, now he's like 216. He's talked about improving his footwork. That's his main thing because at this point in time, after enrolling early, he already knows the playbook. He said it's just about executing. Now I know everything there is to know. And then you got a guy like Dylan Gabriel in front of him that he can learn from, an experienced guy like that. I mean, he's going to be really, really good, man. It's just It goes without saying. He's going to be really good by the time he gets to the starting position and starting role for this team. Yeah, yeah, I'm impressed with the quarterbacks, uh, both of them. Um, you know, I talked about this when we did our quarterback breakdown, but Jackson Arnold in the spring, you see, like every time we saw him was better and better and better. And it's been the same this fall. He's looked really, really sharp every time. And mm-hmm. I've been, you know, I, look, I, I've been on record many times with both the fact that I think Jackson Arnold is a future star. Um, he's going to be the man in Norman before, before too long. And I've also been on record that Dylan Gabriel needs to play better. He's a good college quarterback, but not a great one. He's looked really good this camp, just, you know, calling it like I see it. He has looked very solid. I actually asked Danny Stutzman yesterday about DG. Just, you know, you're two for him. You know, obviously you're on defense, but seeing him across the way, and he said his leadership has taken a big step. He's much more comfortable this year mm-hmm. uh, compared to last year. And uh, the way he described it is that his eyes, his vision has been incredible, basically, this fall camp. He's throwing guys open all over the place. He's anticipating – what's going to happen at a much higher level than he was a year ago. So, I don't know, exciting things to hear about Dylan Gabriel, because not that he was bad last year. I don't think anybody would say that. Nobody, you know, that you should take seriously. But he also didn't lift them, you know, so many close losses. That, you know, there was a lot of times where they had chances late to get – I mean, all you fans know. I'm not telling them anything they don't know. And so that could be the difference between a, a couple, two, three wins, you know, if he just – 
raise his level a little bit. So I've watched what I've seen from DG. I got to be honest. So we'll see what he looks like when we get there. Go ahead. Yeah. So I, I want, I want to stick on that side of the ball for a second. I know we're going to get into the wide receivers a little bit later, but uh, you know, I, I watched them for a good portion of practice yesterday and just kind of interesting seeing the rotations and the groupings right now. Um, you know, the, the three guys that were working with Dylan Gabriel when they were doing the, the route trees, um, you know, LV Bunky, Bunkley Shelton was one of them. Jalil Farouk and Drake, Drake Stoops was the third one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with Jackson Arnold, we saw Andre Anthony, who's someone who we've heard a lot of good things about. You know, he had a couple touchdown catches during mm-hmm. that scrimmage on Saturday. You know, and you can kind of catch those in that hype video slash highlight reel that Oklahoma dropped a day later. And Brent Venables pointed out that, you know, he made another big play during 11-on-11 work yesterday. So he's someone who's coming in and he's progressing well from the spring to where he is now. Um, Jackson Arnold had something really interesting to say about just his understanding of the route tree because of Jeff Levy's offense, you know, they have a lot of option routes and that's not easy to pick up, especially when you're coming from another system where you've spent two years learning that system and that route tree. So Andre Anthony, I'm curious to see if he'll be able to kind of crack that top group and become a starter, but whether or not he starts, Brent Venables is positive that he's going to have a major impact on this offense. And, you know, I think he can be a real dynamic playmaker in this system. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, Andre Anthony seems like a guy that his stock is rising since we first heard about. I mean, a lot of good things coming, you know, about him, even the receiver group as a whole. I talked to Jackson Arnold about that, too, just trying to figure out what his thoughts were. He's like, hey, they're all they're all pretty good. I mean, it's not like a it's not like a, a different school, so to speak. And there's one guy that stands out above the rest. They're all they all can play at that level on any, any given day. So that's that's a really good sign for him is what he was saying pretty much. So really like where the receiver group is at. I know we're about to talk about them later on, but that's the situation right mm-hmm. now. Yeah, and I would loop too. And again, we're gonna get into the series in just a minute. But uh mm-hmm. Jaden Gibson continues to be one that you continue to hear things about. Um, caught a touchdown from Jackson Arnold at the scrimmage on Saturday. If you uh, are a VAP subscriber, you heard about that first. And, you know, he looks good in practice. He does. He's made some really nice. The thing with Jaden Gibson, and fans know this, is that it's always been kind of, can, can he just catch the ball? Does he have, have the hands? He had a really, really rough drop in the spring game, but would have been a game winner in the spring game from Jackson Arnold. And he's looked good this camp. We've heard nothing but good things. Like I just said, caught a touchdown in the scrimmage. I don't know, drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit. Obviously, he's got the length for days. You know, we've heard a lot of good things. So we'll see if uh, Jaden Gibson can make that leap that uh, and become that player that, you know, everybody hoped he would be, you know, out of high school. Um, anything else on fall camp before we get yeah. to the, the um, uh, wide receiver breakdown? Yeah, I, don't, I know we spent a lot of time on the offense, but I want to flip over to the defense real quick. And I know mm-hmm. we're going to get more into the defensive backs later this week and next week. But listening to Brent Venables and what he had to say when asked about the cornerback position, you know, yesterday he was kind of asked, what about that other corner job? And he kind of gave a, a perplexed look, like, what do you mean that other job? Uh, kind of downplaying the fact that Woody Washington is, you know, their number one cornerback and, you know, has that job pretty much locked down. But, you know, I think it kind of speaks to how good he feels about the depth of that room, even though it's a position that doesn't have a lot of experience beyond Washington. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, guys like Gentry Williams, who we've talked a lot about, uh, Kendall Dolby is someone who Venables has been really pleased with his progress since the spring. Makari Vickers, too. And again, we mentioned it before, but Josiah Wagner is someone who has just been on the rise throughout fall camp. So I, I think the fact that, you know, Venables is kind of downplaying the fact that uh, Woody Washington is their top guy and is kind of playing up the competition factor back there speaks a lot toward, you know, how he feels about just the depth of that room and how comfortable he is with what they have at that position. How about us, how about us even getting access to Jackson Arnold yesterday? I mean, he's a freshman quarterback and he's not the starter. So, I mean, big ups to that. It's all on the board. I mean, it's all on the board. It's all on the website. Mm -hmm. Go check it out as soon as illustrated and just get a read on what he's thinking. It's not something that usually happens. I know Josh can, can vouch for that. It's not something that usually happens at the university of Oklahoma. So go check it out, see what his thoughts are and see where, how he's progressing so far uh, this fall camp. Yeah, 100%. So there you have it. We'll obviously continue to break down fall camp even more later in the week uh, on Thursday. Gearing up. We're getting closer and closer. The 15th already today. Like I said, less than three weeks until that season opener. 
on September 2nd. All right, let's break down the wide receivers. So doing our position breakdown every, you know, every episode, we take one position, we break it down, we give a rating for how strong we feel that group is. We've done six positions, four to go. We're back on offense with the wide receivers. Emmett Jones, come on down. First year as a wide receivers coach at Oklahoma. It doesn't feel like his first year because he's been his name has been spoken of so much, uh, obviously recruiting at an incredibly high level. We talked about that at length with both Colin and also three of us. Um, five guys committed in this class. They got a couple transfers. The 2025 group has already got a few big names in it now. Um, he's just been a rock star on the recruiting side of it. Every current player on the team um, speaks insanely highly of him. I've asked a couple of guys just the excitement to actually have a season now with Emmett Jones, get out there, get into the games. And uh, that excitement for that group seems to be through the roof uh, to have this guy and to uh, actually go through the, you know, the journey of a season with him. Um, you lose Marvin Mims, who was the number one guy for multiple years, um, is off the NFL making noise at Denver Broncos camp right now. You also lose Theo Weiss, who was the number two guy last year. He transferred over to Missouri. Um, you bring back Jalil Farouk, you bring back Drake Stoops. And then after that, it's a whole lot of new faces. Overall thoughts on this group. It's a position that's been heavily discussed, maybe more than any other one mm -hmm. over the course of the offseason. Is it going to be a strength? Is it going to be a weakness? Is Fruit ready to be number one? All those question marks have all been talked about at length, you know, all summer, all spring. Overarching thoughts with the wide receiver group. Yeah, I understand all the questions that have kind of loomed over this group throughout the offseason. But the more I watch them, and especially yesterday, just try and take a closer look at that group, the less concerned I am about their ability in totality. You know, I, I still wonder if Jalil Farouk can be that number one guy or who will emerge as that number one guy if he's not the one. But listening to Emmett Jones talk at Media Day, listening to, you know, some of these players and coaches just over the last, you know, two weeks – um, you know, I think that they're in a lot better position than people might think they are at receiver. Um, you know, Gavin Freeman's the guy that we heard a lot about throughout the offseason. And just watching him yesterday, I was just really impressed with how he attacks the ball coming out of his breaks. Um, you know, that that's something that really stood out to me. Um, again, we talked about a guy like Andre Anthony, who I think can be a dynamic playmaker in this offense and has shown flashes of that throughout fall camp. Um, and then, you know, the, other guys that are returning that just haven't had big roles like we talked about, you know, Jaden Gibson and Nick Anderson, um, you know, seeing uh, Drake Stoops continue to evolve in that in that slot position. You know, I think they're going to be in a lot better shape uh, than maybe we thought even a month or two ago. I think that's the common sentiment. I mean, really, that's that's what it is. I'm obviously, going into the camp and seeing the guys and seeing them play like, OK, now we understand why at Big 12 media days and anytime we talk to the coaches or the other players while they're all like, these guys are, they, they're, they are just as good. They just haven't had the chance to do it yet. I mean, most of these guys on this roster are just unproven, but we know they can do it. We've seen it in, in practice and things like that. And I'll say, it's now that we get the chance to see him. We know that that that's particularly true. Like uh, as we saw, we talk about scores and everything like that. The numbers is, is risen a lot for me, just looking at this group, seeing what they said and looking how they look in practice. I mean, they're, they're, they're a lot better than I thought they would be, you know, at this, at this point in time. And you got the quarterbacks that the OU has. I mean, it, it can make things a lot easier for that group as well to, to get even better. So uh, I like where the receiver group is right now. I feel very comfortable at this point in time. Yeah, you know, it's hard for me to be too concerned about a skill position in Oklahoma. Hadn't been a problem at any of them in a long time, you know. Yeah. So. You know, I don't want to downplay losing Marvin Mims because Marvin Mims is, uh, I've said many times, he's a cheat code player. He can get open over the top at any time. And honestly, one of the more underrated players in college over the last few years, Marvin Mims. The numbers he put up consistently, obviously freshman, Big 12 touchdown record, things like that um, in a shortened COVID season uh, also. He was incredibly good, and he takes so much attention. Um, obviously, defenses have to know where he is at all times. You don't have that now, but I, I've been a big believer in Jalil Farouk stepping up as that number one guy. You know what you're getting with Drake Stoops. He's the leader of the team, probably going to be a team captain. You almost could pencil that in, you know, and things like that. But who's going to join them? That's been the question the whole time. There's loads of options. You got, you know, like we said, Angel Anthony, Jack West Petaway comes in, Gavin mm -hmm. Freeman, they talk so highly about him, Brandon Thompson, 
Jaden Gibson I mentioned, Nick Anderson, who James mentioned earlier. I mean, this, this room is deep. There's lots of guys. There's lots of options. So let me ask you guys this. If you're assuming Farouk and you're assuming Stoops will be what you expect them to be, who is your favorite, I guess, to kind of be the running mate with them? Is it Anthony? Is it Thompson? Is it somebody else? Petaway in there in the mix maybe? Who do you guys like mm-hmm. the most to kind of be that third, fourth to join those guys up at the top and be that, you know, that starting group? Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm drinking the Andre Anthony Kool Aid right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I touched on him in a VIP piece this morning. And three things I think, three things I know. Um, went a little bit in depth there, but I'm not discounting LV Bunkley Shelton. Um, again, he's a guy that was in that first group with Dylan Gabriel yesterday while we were out there. Um, he's someone that Emmett Jones spoke really highly of at Media Day. Um, you know, said he's he's kind of the guy that's been the the teacher in the room and is coming for his job, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm I'm really curious to see if he can be that guy who takes that next step after you know transferring in last year, not really being a major contributor. Um, and I think it, it it speaks pretty highly of him that he's been in that that first trio of wide receivers there with guys like Jalil Farouk and Drake Stoops. But man, I. I've just been so impressed with Andre Anthony and what we've seen from him and what we've heard from his coaches and his teammates over the last nine practices. I'm going to go with Andre Anthony as well. Now this goes back into what Jackson Arles was saying. Like a lot of these guys, you can, you can interchange them and figure out who does what best in a certain situation because Gavin Freeman, obviously, you know, is highly talked about, uh, but would he be like the third receiver on that group as of right now? I'm not entirely sure with already Drake Stoops in that position because they're kind of like the, the same type of player. And then you got, you know, other guys like that around them that, you know, that you could also plug in there. Like Jacquez Petaway, we – I mean, Jeff yeah. Levy talked a lot of good things about him. I mean, but he just – he's still like – he just got he just got here. So yeah. who knows exactly what his potential is. So I think the safest bet for that answer right now is Andrew Anthony because he's looked so good so far and it's proven, I think, much more so far uh, this fall camp particularly. I actually agree. Clean sweep. I, I, I've i been on the Angel Anthony train going back to the spring. I've liked him the most of the guys they brought in. Um, his speed, he's a very mature kid. We haven't talked to him yet this fall, but I imagine that's coming soon. Maybe even soon today. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a really well-spoken guy. And, he, you know, I like the fact that he comes from Michigan. He's come from another program where the expectations are really high. They've been to playoff the last two years. He only knows – college football playoff seasons. That's all he's had in his college career so far. He's played in big games, he's played in front of huge crowds. You know, it, he just seems like a perfect fit. He really does. And his speed on the outside is a perfect match with Farouk. He's kind of Marvin Mims-ish, you know, light-esque, you know. So um, I've liked him a lot as that that third option. Another wild card here that we haven't even mentioned yet, and I, I've said, I've been honest, I don't know at all what to expect. But DJ Graham, I mean, what is he? Um, as a wide receiver. We know what he is as a cornerback. We know he has hands. But what is he as a wide out? We don't really know. We haven't heard a lot about him this fall. I imagine we'll probably get him before too long as well, get to catch up with him, what's going on, uh, the latest from him. But he's another one that's very, very interesting to keep up with. And, you know, kind of could he factor in? I mean, there's a lot of names we just listed here. But, you know, he's an older player, certainly a very athletic. And like I said, we know he has hands. We've all seen that. Um how does he get into the mix, if at all? So I do like Anthony, though. And I, I wouldn't sit on Brennan Thompson either. But um, the fact that Anthony was here in the spring, I think, gives him a pretty good leg up on Thompson. Um, Petaway, obviously, kind of the same thing. We've heard a lot of great things about him as a freshman. That's really hard to be a summer enrollee as a freshman, have a huge impact. I think mm-hmm. he'll play. But, um, you know, the same thing with James said about Gavin Freeman. He's going to kind of spell Drake Stoops. You don't really imagine that those guys will be on the field a whole lot at the same time. So, mm-hmm. Anthony just seems to make the most sense to me. Yeah, I, I will say on the DJ Graham note, listening to Emmett Jones talk about him at Media Day, it sounds like right now he's kind of more of a situational receiver for them. You know, Emmett really likes his physicality, mm-hmm. obviously bringing that from the defensive side. Um, but again, it's it's such a new position for him. It's 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 hard to pick up even when making that switch. You know, midway through last season or whatever it was. Um, but right now, I mean, it, I think it's going to be hard for him to kind of carve out a role um, consistently. But I, I, I could see them, again, just having situations where they feel they need him to come out there and just be that physical type of receiver who can maybe get a few tough yards here or there. 
And he, I mean, he had, he owns the greatest interception in Oklahoma history. So let that <laughs> let that stand with him. There's a body that was on fourth down. It cost him like thirty yards. <laughs> yeah, position. I'm not going to be that guy. But situationally, was it wasn't the best. But I mean, hey, <laughs> that was a fun moment. Just ignore it. Fun moment. Uh, yeah, very um, all time, all time moment. Um, mm-hmm. All right, let's do the ratings. Um, I think Tom is starting um, this time around for wide receivers, one to ten, depth, strength, whatever. What? How do you feel about this group? Uh, Emmett Jones is first as the wide receivers coach. At Oklahoma. Yeah, I'm going to go with a solid seven here. Um, and that's mm, probably, that's probably a, a point higher than where I would have get where I would have put them, you know, when I first started this job and was exactly. learning about this team. You know, I think they have a lot better depth in that room right now. Um, I just want to see someone prove that they can be the number one option. Um mm-hmm. But I have zero doubt that these receivers are going to produce in a Jeff Levy offense. I mean, that offense produces. It has produced consistently. I expect that to continue this year with this group. I'm, I just I just want to see someone emerge as that number one, whether that's a Jalil Farouk, whether Drake Stoops is the guy, whether it's an Andre Anthony or one of these other receivers that we've talked about. I want someone that I know that they can rely on to be their go-to guy when they need to make a play. Um, and because they don't have that proven number one option right now, you know, I, I probably deduct a point or point and a half from where I would be otherwise. I'm going to jump in here and say I would also be a point lower if I hadn't seen them this this fall camp. So that's impressive for them for what they've done. I'm going to be at a 7.5 at the moment. Oh, and you, uh, you say I'm low and you're just half a point. High. I didn't say you were low. That was Josh. I said I was, <laughs> I was fine with that score. <laughs> I was fine with that. Yeah, 7.5 for me right now. Because uh, this group's going to get even a lot better even like next year. You've seen what the Emmett Jones has done on the recruiting trail. Oh, yeah. 7.5 right now for what they've done and things like that. And I like what I've saw so far. I, I, I'm entirely like 90% sure that the number one guy is going to be Jalil Farouk. I mean, just – Speaking on what Emmett Jones has talked about, you know, said about him is like he's a guy that needs the balls, you know, a lot of times during the game, either on first or second down. So that speaks to the volumes of of what he's accomplished and what he can do. They they've looked at tape so many times on the, on on Jaleel Farouk and they've seen what he's done. Each year he's gotten better at Oklahoma. I know he's been in two years, but each year has been a lot better. So the more opportunity he's got, the better he's gotten at his position. So I mean, he's going to get all the opportunity he wants this time around, I think, and he, he should be able to flourish a lot more. I mean, and then you got the other guys around him, as we talked about, uh, just listing them and and knowing their skill sets. Jalen Gibson, you know, uh, Gibson, excuse me, being one of the guys that can just jump up and get the ball in the back of the end zone. Maybe that's a guy that you really need in certain situations, especially in the red zone, uh, where Oklahoma kind of struggled last year. You know, adding him is a lot of – is a, a better thing, a better moment for this team. And so I think 7.5 right now is a very, you know, a fair score at, the, at this point in time, so – 8.25 uh, for me. It, it's, all it's all on Farouk. It's all on Joel Farouk. I mean, to be that number one guy, you know, I think he's ready. I, I do think he's ready for it. You know, I asked Marvin Mims back at Pro Day, back in, you know, whenever that is, April, uh, late March or whatever. Um, you know, is Joel Farouk ready, you know, to, to kind of supplant you as uh, the number one guy in Norman? And with zero hesitation, yes. I mean, no, mm-hmm. no question. Um, talk about how he's just an athletic freak of nature. Um, obviously we saw last year, they gave him the ball and run plays. He's willing to do whatever it takes to win. He's extremely hardworking talking to him this camp. It sounds like he is ready for it. Um, I just think he's ready. I think he's ready to go. You know, I've been doing that essential 11 series every Saturday, the most 11, most important players for Oklahoma going to 2023, just at number three on Saturday. And it was Farouk, um, mm-hmm. no offensive skill position player holds more of the fate of this team and this offense in their hands than Farouk. Um, the group looks entirely different if he had the season that Oklahoma is expecting him to have and he rises to be that number one guy. And um, I think he's capable of it. I think he's ready for it. And when he's that number one guy, Drake Stoops is a perfect number two. I believe in Angel Anthony, but not for nothing. But even if Angel Anthony doesn't end up having the season, we think 
There's a Brandon Thompson right there. There's a Jacquez Petaway right there. There's a Gibson. There's an Anderson. There's a Freeman. There's so many other guys. It's a deep bag. It's a lot of guys who haven't proven it. But you only need one or two to, to rise up and do it, and you'll be okay. Obviously, you got to stay healthy, but you'll be okay. If Farouk is injured, this group looks a lot different. So hopefully that doesn't happen, obviously. Um, but, yeah, 8.25 for me. It's not the strongest group on of all time, but the, the guys are there. They just got to do it. And uh, it's going to depend a lot on Farouk. So looking forward to it. Uh, see what that looks like whenever we get to week one. I'm um, excited. So Farouk, I'm curious to see, knowing that he's number one and how important he is, if they still do all the stuff that I just talked about, the end around plays and the direct snaps with him as a Wildcat quarterback. Do they peel back on that at all? Um, or do they do add more of it? I think that's going to be a fun little mini storyline to watch uh, once we get to the games. Anything else on wide receivers? In that sentiment, I think they do because I think you have like you know Brennan Thompson and Gavin Freeman for that role now. Yeah, they might yeah, like, sure. Is that Brennan yeah. Thompson seems like the perfect speed sweep end around type of guy, like just yeah. that elite track speed where I need get him out in space and let him run. I need Petaway, Thompson, and Anthony to race because I need to know who actually is the fastest of that group. Because all we've heard all all season is how blazing all three of those guys are. Who actually is the the guy? I need a race. I need a. a can we can we request it at, at practice? Can we we have one more practice and I asked them at media days and they all just picked themselves. <laughs> so I got no well, intel there. Well, or it's actually James. That's the fastest. James is a fast guy. Oh, oh, hold on now. Let's not let's not do that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that's our wide receiver breakdown. Uh, we'll move over to cornerbacks. On Thursday, which is another fun group, Javelize group, Woody Washington at the top, and then kind of like wide receivers, the guys are there, but somebody's going to have to prove it. We'll talk about that more on Thursday. The Sooners Illustrated Podcast will be back after this short break. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control Alt Desire now streaming on Paramount Plus. All right, let's do some recruiting stuff. We got some really, uh, we got, okay, we got bad news. We got good news here. Let's start with the bad news. Let's do, let's get the bad out of the way. Let's rip the bandaid mm. off and then we'll, we'll end on a high note. You know, the positive note. There you go. Yeah. Um, so everybody's aware of Williams Nowary committed to Missouri yesterday. Um, this was something that obviously a recruitment that was really closely followed. I've talked about it with Colin on the podcast here um, several times over the last you know few weeks since we started the show, essentially. Um, he's been a hot button topic and rightfully so number one defensive lineman in the class, number three player. I mean, this is a guy that if all goes well and, you know, he stays healthy, things are fine off the field, which is no reason I think there wouldn't, they wouldn't be, he's going to be an NFL player. I mean, that's just the way that it's going. Um, and Oklahoma was seemingly in the lead for this entire recruitment pretty much, or at least all the time, at least it seemed that way days leading up. It seemed to be kind of going the other way. Of course, our own Steve Wiltfong put in his crystal ball to Missouri the day before the commitment, which we all know getting fonged. It's, uh, you know, Steve, Steve knows what he's doing. You know, so if he puts it in, he kind of had a pretty good feeling about the way it was going. And it did happen yesterday that he committed to Missouri. Now it's important to keep in mind a couple things here. One, there is no spin zone for not getting Williams nowhere. Okay. I mean, he's like, I just said, he's number one defensive lineman, number three player, five star. That's a guy you want. There's not a spin zone for not getting him. But at that same token, it's not end of the world. It's not shut the program down. It's not, you know, they're not SEC ready, things like that. You, you can you can walk that line there. And also it's not hard to – you have to factor in the NIL part of this thing. 
Missouri was willing to cough it up and the state legislation in Missouri specifically was designed for this exact situation for Missouri to have a leg up to keep in-state players who are this level. It was literally designed for this exact thing and it worked. Um, so, you know, full context, it's not, it's not ideal certainly for Oklahoma. Um, but the other thing to keep in mind also, it's not over. Signing day is in December. Um, there's a, a whole season before that. So we'll figure out what happens whenever ink hits paper. But, guys, I guess just gut check reaction. And obviously we'll get Colin in here on Thursday, and he'll provide some further context where, you know, I'm going to want him to chime in here. But I guess just reaction to how this all played out over the last 48 hours or so because it went from, you know, you know, we sort illustrated we've never said it was done ever. Um, it's always been slight lean. Colin never even put in a pick officially. So it always felt wishy-washy. But the lean was always Oklahoma. But in those 24, 48 hours before it happened, it kind of just kept going this way. And obviously then eventually it, it came down with uh, Mizzou yesterday afternoon. So I guess just reaction to all of it. It's it's obviously disappointing. But as you mentioned, it's just far from over. I mean, you never stop until it's into paper. I mean, we just we just saw it with Nate Roberts. I mean – he just decommitted. Just because he commits right now doesn't mean it's necessarily that's where he's going. And so oh, you needs to, you know, can stick with it. They can still stick with it. It's not a not a done deal just yet. You know, you still got time to flip guys and you know, we don't make sure you hold on to the guy that you got as well in that same aspect. So just it's not over yet. I know it's disappointing for a lot of OU fans and the the program as well, but there's still time to get him and still time to to flip him. Because if you get good news with David Stone, you know, coming up here mm-hmm. pretty soon. Changes a lot of things. And all the athletes that I've talked to have said the same thing. If you get David Stone, more guys are coming with him. I mean, if you get him, it, it can change the entire, uh, uh, you know, look of this 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 next coming class. So that's the main focus at this point, I think. Yeah, it's obviously a tough pill for Oklahoma and its fans to swallow losing out on a player of – Winery's caliber, um, especially when you you felt like you were in pretty good position throughout a lot of that recruitment. But again, as, as both you guys pointed out, it's not over. You know, I, I don't expect Oklahoma to just give up on a player that is this talented um, just because he commits before his senior season. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that there is work to do. Um, I think one of the you know the two most surprising things that kind of caught me off guard yesterday when he committed was one. It sounds like Oklahoma was third. In his, in his decision-making there behind Missouri and Georgia, who we knew was in the mix there throughout. Um, and also that he apparently told Eli Drinkwitz two weeks ago that he was planning to, go, planning to come to Missouri. Um, mm-hmm. So th- that was a little surprising that, you know, that decision was made, you know, that long ago. I'm sure he, he probably still was going back and forth in his head with his decisions, but that he felt really good about Missouri even two weeks ago, which – I believe is around the time that he was supposed to come to Oklahoma and then wound up taking a visit to Oregon that same weekend, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so maybe that should have been a little bit more of a concerning sign at the time that he wasn't able to make it out here. Um, but again, this thing is not over. Um, like James said, if you can land a guy like David Stone, that that, that changes a lot. And you know, I, I still expect Oklahoma to sign you know a top five, top ten class when all the dust settles. Just because you miss on Williams, no one area does not mean the sky is falling. And I think a lot of OU fans, at least on our board, has has taken it fairly well because, I mean, they all kind of understand, like, if he wants to stay home and play close to home, I mean, that's that's perfectly fine. He doesn't owe owe OU anything. He's never committed here. He's never, you know, promised anything to the Sooners. So if he wants to stay home and play for his hometown school, I mean, that's that's fine right now. And I think uh, a lot of the OU fans on our boards, at least, have said good things about it and have held themselves together. Uh, so far the situation yeah and, and again you, you can't discount the nil factor in missouri the law that they passed um that you know it was designed to help keep in-state homegrown talent mm-hmm. in state um i'm still a little unclear about the exact parameters of the law um whether it's a kid can start capitalizing on capitalizing on nil when he signs his letter of intent or if it's when he signs a you know a grant and aid agreement um because that, that is a difference there between whether, you know, he can start collecting today or if he has to wait until early signing period in December, um, which, I mean, still, even if you're not a early enrollee and you're enrolling in the summer, you know, that's five, six months that you can capitalize on your name, image, and likeness. And that, that makes a difference for people. 
Um, you know, it, is, is it necessarily going to be life-altering money? I don't know. We, we don't know what the exact value on these deals that are being thrown around because they're not disclosed. But it is money that can help him and ha- can help his family to some extent. And you can't discount that in this day and age. Yep, yep. And, uh, and like we said, it, this whole thing becomes a whole lot easier to stomach if you bring in David Stone on the 26th. And uh, obviously, they're also chasing Dominic McKinley, another very highly touted guy on that front seven uh, defensive Danny line. Danny Okoye. You know, yeah, Danny Okoye, obviously, in-state uh, up there in Tulsa. So, um, you know, there's still big fish that they're chasing after, and it's not over with Nowhere just yet. So, like we said, it it's not good. I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's good or that it's no big deal, mm-hmm. but it's not in the world either. Um, you can tow that line and uh, – We'll see how things shake out. Um, you know, there's a whole season between now and then. I mean, if you're Oklahoma, go put out a good product, win 10 games, win 11 games, let Missouri be Missouri. Because, I mean, the reality is under Eli Drinkwitz, they have not been good. Uh, they're a mediocre program. They have been for multiple seasons now. If they're that again, they win five games, six games. Oklahoma goes wins 10s, 11, puts out a good defensive product. That alone could maybe help you sway them. So we'll see. And we'll see. We'll let we'll see where the dust settles when it's all said and done. Um, you know, in December. If OU just gets their in-state guys, it'd be a, a, an outstanding defensive line. Getting a Koye and Stone would be an amazing get for this squad. So I think mm-hmm. if they just focus on that as well. I mean, if 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 they give up on you know where and, and just give up on him, and if they go after Stone and, and Okoye and get both of them. I think that's still a great, great position to be in, especially heading into the SEC. Those guys are strong and athletic. And I, yeah. I've wrote about it a lot between those two guys. I mean, that, that's exactly what you want uh, when you go to the SEC, those two guys there. Yeah, and, and you know, Josh just mentioned the good season versus a middling season potentially for Missouri. You know, they say, you know, if you're a recruit, commit to a school, don't commit to a coach. But if Missouri has another season that falls apart, is Eli Drinkwood's going to be there next year? Is that coaching staff that's recruiting him going to be there next year? You know, right. th- there's still a lot that can happen and a lot that can change between now and early signing day. Um, so I, I just think it'll be interesting to kind of keep an eye on how this all plays out over the next few months. Absolutely. So crazy times. And uh, yeah, it doesn't feel like it's over just yet. So we'll keep an eye on that, obviously, as the season goes on. So if that's the bad news. We'll get you some good news. Obviously, Jaden Nickens, hello. Uh, committed to Oklahoma on Saturday from Millwood, uh, right down the road here in Oklahoma City. Uh, he's a 2025 kid. We talked about him before. Obviously, I got Colin's uh, input on how he was feeling about that going into the commitment. And, you know, obviously, things felt to be in a good place there. And he did end up committing to Oklahoma. James was there. Nickens is the number 12 wide receiver in the class uh, per us at 24-7 Sports. Number four player in Oklahoma. Number three player in Oklahoma in the composite. So uh, this is a really, really talented in-state kid, kept home. Uh, James, you were there, so you can run point on it here. I, I guess put it all in perspective, uh, what you make of Nickens, the player, and just what he had to say afterward, the get bro, you, just however you, you want to go with it. This seems like a really nice ad. And Emma Jones, again, staying just piping hot. He just won't stop. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. I think I've, I've said this before about him. I mean, the first time I saw him was on the basketball court. And he was like Millwood's leading scorer, their best player. He was like dunking as a freshman already and like doing it easily, like throwing windmills back. And, you know, he's one of those type of guys. And I'll, I just kind of like place, okay, he's a basketball guy. He's the one I need to watch out for. And then he says, as a freshman, he, he went to Millwood game and was like, I want to be back on the field. And he's, he's played football for his entire life until that point. He goes on there, doesn't play the first year gets his shot the next year, which is the last year, last season, and they go all the way to the state championship. So he, he's helped them win a state championship in basketball. In football, he helps them get back to the to title game. They didn't win it, but he was one of the, the biggest factors in them getting there. Uh, just impressive, impressive athleticism that he has to really dominate the game. And he's, he's shown that he can do that. And then he goes back on the basketball court and wins another state title there, the 17th. Uh, basketball state title for Millwood. That's the most in Oklahoma history. So a guy like that, and the questions that everybody was asking him was, when did you know it was going to be football that you decided to you know, pursue in college? And he was like, when I stepped back on the field at Millwood. That's really the, the case. That That's where I wanted to be at. And 
as I talked to him two years ago and was asking him, uh, what was he going to do at that point? Because I didn't know it either. He was like, I want to do both. I want to I play both, you know, football and basketball. Mm. And, you know, as he said, he wants to play football. But he said, if hey, if OU lets me play both uh, sports, I'm down. I'm, I'm with it. So it shows you where he's at right now. I mean, he's not going to quit basketball either. As he said, he's going to continue that uh, throughout high school. And he said he's going to win another ring is what he said. So he's very confident in himself in that aspect. And I, as I wrote in my story, Kevin Sperry, the quarterback – in the 2025 class, him and his dad were there at the commitment. And Nick was like, hey, I didn't even tell him I was going to OU. So just the fact that he was here and, and showed and showed up and showed the support shows you the brotherhood that we already have, uh, just, just the collective that we had. You know, so that was that was a good thing to see, a good sign for OU, I think, with that happening as well. So we talked about the type of player that Nickens is and everything like that. Just seeing that and hearing his comments, what he's been thinking. You know, to commit early. I mean, this is early for 2025. That's early. You got two years left. So just that's a good sign for OU. And he said he committed for himself. He didn't commit trying to, you know, get somebody else on board just yet. He just he prayed about it. He prayed about it a lot. And this was the exact time that he felt and was told pretty much that he should do it. And so that's what that's what went down for him. Yeah. yeah. I just want to touch on the Emmett Jones aspect of this because this man is on an absolute heater right now since he's been hired in January. You know, Oklahoma has landed 10 wide receivers now. You know, from the transfer portal, you know, they got Andre Anthony and Brendan Thompson. We, we, we mentioned both of them earlier. You know, that 2024 class, Zion Kearney, Ivan Carrion, Zion Reagans, KJ Daniels, Dozier Zukanma, and then now this 25 class, Elijah Thomas, Grayson Harris, and Jaden Nickens. You know, in that 24-25 class, that is six blue-chip wide receivers right now. That is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You know, he is recruiting on a level right now with guys like Cortez Hankton, the LSU wide receivers coach, Brian Hartline at Ohio State, uh, Holman Wiggins at Alabama, Damian Craig at Texas A&M, Marcus Davis at Auburn. You know, these are all you know, SEC programs and playoff contending programs. And he's recruiting at that level in terms of wide receivers. In the 2025 class alone, he is the third rated recruiter in our in our database right now. Behind Del McGee at Georgia, who might be the best recruiter in college football right now as a position coach, and Eric Walford, the offensive line coach at Alabama. Um, the job that Emma Jones has done in just overhauling the personnel for the next two three seasons at Oklahoma has been really impressive in what seven months yeah I mean since we had January right so yeah 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 now let's see him do it on the field and and develop this talent that he's helped bring in because you know getting the guys is half the half the battle now you got to develop them and turn them into top tier wide receivers Mm -hmm. but it's hard to understate or hard to overstate just how well Emma Jones has done in this position since he's taken over. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this is what Oklahoma brought him here to do and he's mm-hmm. delivered. And we've, we've always known that, well, I guess not always, but we've known at Nickens for quite some time that he was, if he committed, it was going to be the OU. Uh, so it wasn't a big surprise to us. And if you've been on the board, you, you know, it wasn't a big surprise to us that he came to OU. Elijah Thomas, a guy that we had no idea was committing the day he did it, uh, just came out of nowhere. And Nick has said him, Sperry, and, Th- and Thomas have, have, have talked a lot, you know, just about playing at OU and things like that. So you see what they've done, you know, Sperry's done at least in recruiting the receivers that he wants to throw to. And then let's let's jump back to the beginning of the podcast. Sperry's been seen with Elijah Thomas and Nate Roberts after a workout together. And all of a sudden, Nate Roberts is now decommitted from Notre Dame. So What's to come with that situation as well? That's a that's a fun position to be in. You you starting to get a lot of guys that are in state, you know, coming to Oklahoma. And I've said it many many times. That's that's a that's a good route to go, especially in this NIL era, and especially in the era where people can transfer and go other places so you know so quickly and without without penalty pretty much now. So getting guys that are in state have always watched the team and things like that is a uh, uh, it should be an absolute you know get for OU at this point in time. Yeah, I, I just want to add one other note on Emma Jones. I think it was DeMarco Murray at Media Day was asked about him as a recruiter, and he called him the king of Dallas. 
Um, I, I think he's shown that his his kingdom kind of expands outside of the Dallas metro area right now because he is just absolutely killing it. Mm-hmm. That, that was that was on his his hiring resume when when he when he got hired on the first time. That's what that's what it was saying. He he can recruit in the Dallas area, and he's he's proven that so far. And he's also got guys from Oklahoma as well. So he's he's done a great great job. It can't be understated. Yeah, you know, I really like the in-state recruiting. You know, we've talked about that a lot. But, you know, you look at that 2025 group, which considered to be really, really, really strong in Oklahoma, the 2025 class. And just quick peruse of the top five. Elijah Thomas, OU. Jay Nickens, OU. Tristan Haynes, heavy OU target from Carl Albert. Nate Roberts, we just talked about, just decommitted. OU is a big favorite there, I would probably uh, feel safe to say. And then C.J. Nixon from Weatherford, currently uncommitted. We'll see how that plays out. But, I mean, you've got two of the five already. Nate Roberts just, just decommitted. You feel like you're in great shape. Tristan Haynes, you're chasing. I mean, there's a world where they get the top five players in Oklahoma. I'm not saying they're definitely going to or anything like that, but that is conceivable right now, which go look at some other years. Not like that. So uh, mm-hmm. Oklahoma's recruiting in the state much, much better. And that's uh, exciting to see. Yeah, see. just so. just going off of that. I haven't talked to CJ just yet, but those the first four guys. I mean, yeah, I could see them all being at OU, you know, right. two years from now, like for sure. Right. So um, we'll see what happens with it. Yeah, and, that, and that's something that this staff has just emphasized. You know, you know, we we, we talked about it with you know the Missouri part a few minutes ago, but keeping homegrown talent home is big especially when you have a talent-rich class like that 2025 class is shaping up to be for Oklahoma. Absolutely. So there you have it. I think that's just about it for us. So uh, I'll give you the bad news first with no areas. Not that nobody doesn't already know it, but that was our shot. Cleanser with Jay Nickens. And, <laughs> Don't bring uh, it back up. Don't bring it back yeah, up. There you go. So <laughs> we'll be back on Thursday. And we will um, talk about the latest from fall camp. We'll also we'll loop Colin in, get more context to the Nickens and – Nowhere decisions, both the good and bad there. And we'll look ahead to what's on the horizon. I'll say Andy Bass is coming up soon. David Stone is coming up soon. Colin is actually on assignment in Nashville right now, getting ready to see David Stone play uh, this week. IMG Academy is playing Lipscomb up there in Nashville. So we'll have more David Stone intel for you uh, for the VIP subscribers very, very soon. And obviously we'll talk about that a little more on the podcast on Thursday. So I think that's it for us. We're going to bustle down to Norman here a little bit, talk to more players. Keep an eye out for that this afternoon. For Tom Green, for James Jackson, I'm Josh Callow. We'll catch you guys back here on Thursday for another edition of the Sooners Illustrated podcast. See you. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast listen to mtv's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts